Hey folks, this is Charlotte Clymer, and you're listening to a brand new episode of Charlotte's Web Thoughts. This is the audio slash podcast version of my actual blog, Charlotte's Web Thoughts, which is hosted on Substack.com. You can subscribe for free. All you need is an email. And of course, I will always welcome paid subscriptions to support the work I do. It is at charlotteclimber.substack.com. So go there and please, please subscribe. I cannot ask you enough to subscribe to my blog. August 6th, 2021. The title, Trans Panic in Sports, All Hat, No Cattle. On Tuesday, Laurel Hubbard became the first openly transgender woman to compete at an Olympic Games. Hubbard, who has been flooded with online hatred and public criticism by social conservatives for her participation and the target of spurious claims about the unfairness of her inclusion, not only didn't meddle, but failed to place at all with a qualifying score. That doesn't surprise those of us who follow trans non-binary athletes at every level of competition. For all the histrionic panic on this issue, particularly over the past year, Hubbard's courageous and ultimately underwhelming performance is now the most notable example of the sheer lack of evidence to support trans-exclusionary policies in sports. Hubbard's participation is not due to a recent change in policy either. Since 2003, 18 years ago, following extensive consultation with physicians and sports scientists, the International Olympic Committee has has permitted the participation of openly trans athletes in events that align with their authentic gender identity, provided they meet strict guidelines. And those guidelines are very, very strict. In all the time since then, so 18 years, which includes four Summer Olympics and four Winter Olympics, no openly trans person had competed until this year in Tokyo. Only three such athletes qualified for Tokyo. Only two of them competed. The third, non-binary skateboarder Alana Smith, who uses they, them, was an alternate. And only one of them meddled. Quinn, a non-binary athlete who uses they, them pronouns and goes only by their first name, plays on the Canadian national women's football team, which won their gold medal match on Friday. And yet, for the ninth consecutive Olympic Games, again, that covers... 18 years of this trans-inclusive policy in place, no trans or non-binary athlete who was assigned male at birth has earned a medal. Not one. These guidelines are so strict that even non-trans athletes are affected. Castor Semenya, Christina Moba, and Beatrice Masalinghi, all cisgender women, that is, all assigned female at birth, have been disqualified for their naturally occurring hormonal levels. It's important to note that they're also all black women, underlining a pattern of cruel and discriminatory behavior toward black women athletes, especially in this Olympics. And as as an aside, I would just encourage folks to uh, go read an essay by Hannah Ryan for CNN.com about this pattern of just outright discrimination and nonsense uh, toward elite black women athletes in Tokyo. It's absolutely ridiculous. The lack of reason in targeting trans athletes at the highest levels of sport further highlights the absurdity of the past seven months, during which lawmakers in nearly three dozen states 
have introduced bills banning trans kids from participation in sports at any age. Proponents argue it's a basic question of fairness and competition, that trans girls take away opportunities from cis girls. The problem with that argument is that it severely lacks evidence. In early March, David Crary and Lindsay Whitehurst of the Associated Press reached out to the sponsoring lawmakers of legislation like this introduced in more than 20 states at the time and asked a simple question. Could they identify where this had been a problem in their state? In response to almost every query, these sponsoring lawmakers could provide no examples. The few responses that were provided from Montana and Mississippi, those two states, pointed out of state to Connecticut, more than a thousand miles away, where two trans young women running high school track won several competitions. And in response, the families of three cis young women filed a lawsuit against the state. The day after it was filed, one of those cis young women beat one of the trans young women in the final race of the season. Let me repeat that. The day after the lawsuit was filed by the families of these three cis young women, one of those cis young women, that is one of these young women who was assigned female at birth, beat one of the trans young women in the final race of the season. She won a track and field scholarship at William and Mary. The two trans young women were not offered scholarships. That's not surprising either. Since 2011, the NCAA has had a trans-inclusive participation policy that essentially requires trans women in college who wish to compete in sanctioned events to undergo hormonal therapy for at least a year prior to competing. In the 10 years since that policy was implemented, hundreds of thousands of young women have received an athletic scholarship at the D1 level, the highest tier in college athletics. There is no record of any openly trans woman receiving a college athletic scholarship, ever. So out of the hundreds of thousands of young women who have received a college athletic scholarship in the past 10 years since this trans policy was put into place, no trans women have received one. Last month, the NCAA Board of Governors released an unyielding statement on trans inclusion in college athletics, asserting that it, quote, firmly and unequivocally supports the opportunity for transgender student athletes to compete in college sports, unquote. Prominent cis women athletes like Billie Jean King, Megan Rapinoe, and Candace Parker, among many others, have denounced bans against trans children in sports and made it clear they believe trans girls belong on girls' sports teams. Even feminist organizations like the National Women's Law Center and the Feminist Majority Foundation have also publicly slammed the bans and asserted their support for young trans athletes. Laurel Hubbard's moment of character and grace this week should have been a moment for all of us to celebrate, especially trans and non-binary children who are watching. Society is full of people, myself included, who feel sports have the power to bring out the best in us. Sports reporter Jane McManus may have put it best. She said, sports is the reward of a functioning society. It's still unclear if we're seeing a functional society or the best of anyone beyond the likes of athletes like Hubbard. When asked for comment following her disappointing performance in the event, she graciously praised others and reasserted that, quote, sport is something for all people, 
unquote. And she thanked the IOC for their trans-inclusive policies. I'm not convinced the world of sports deserves her.